so I'm going to invite Emily now to come and read tonight's passage for us. Uh, so if you have your Bibles to hand, that'd be really helpful. Uh, so we're looking at James 1 this evening, verses 13 to 18. So while you find that, I'll hand over to Emily. So from uh, verses 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Thanks, Emily. So should we just pray as Dan comes and joins us? Lord God, we thank you for Dan. Thank you so much for the time that he's put into listening to you and to discern what it is that you would have us understand from this passage. As, as he comes, please anoint his lips. Would he be clear and concise uh, and full of the Holy Spirit, uh, conveying what you'd have us know this evening? And please prepare our hearts and our minds also that we might receive from you through the words of Dan now. Uh, we thank you for this time together and the, uh, the fruit that will come surely from it if we listen and take it to heart and uh, learn from the instruction here. Uh, we thank you for Dan and lift him up in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Another smooth transition. <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, evening, everyone. Uh, it's lovely to see you all on Zoom. Uh, great that you can be tuning in. And uh, just bear with me as I, uh, I do that. But I hope you've been able to uh, enjoy the sun uh, and get outdoors. Maybe, maybe we've got the barbecue open. Maybe it's the first week we've been able to do that. Uh, but it's great that you can be here this evening. And thank you, too, for reading our passage uh, in James. We're continuing in our series. And so this evening, as you uh, as we go through looking at this passage, uh, do keep your Bible open in front of you as we explore this together. Well, Benjamin Franklin, uh, he said that in life, only two things are really certain, death and taxes. And of course, that quote, it kind of humorously brings out some of the things that in life all of us can expect to face. And James, as we started going through this letter, he's he's writing to Christians that are scattered throughout the known world at that time. And he begins sharing with these followers of Jesus everything that I guess is certain for them in life. We saw last week really helpfully from Rui uh, that James opens by showing that or suffering. Suffering is an inevitable part of life. As Christians, we're not given a, a pass from going through various kinds of trials and sufferings in life. We're not promised that now. In fact, James says suffering might even be intensified for being followers of Jesus. And yet, as James says in verse 12, he says, we, we wait, don't we? We wait for that future day when there will be no more trials to face, no more suffering to experience. And we pass from death to life and we receive, as James says, that crown that we wait for. 
And James this evening will introduce to us another thing that is certain for Christians in life to experience, and that is temptation. Regardless of whether we've been Christians for just a day or a decade, we will all know what it means to be tempted in different ways, and I'm sure at different times. And yet today, when when we think of that word temptation, you could say that there's a temptation to not take it very seriously. We might use the word more frequently when we're walking through the electronics department at John Lewis, or whether on a hot sunny day we're walking past a shop that's selling all our favourite flavours of ice cream. Uh, there's a sense in which in our culture today, even I would say within the church, we don't really think temptation is a big deal or even we take it that seriously. And yet James this evening will show us a very different picture of temptation. And we see in our passage that James explains what temptation is, where temptation comes from, what temptation does to us. And yet James will also point us in how we should deal with it as we go forward. So as we go through, I've really got just got two points that will help guide uh, our passage as we look through it. The first one is who's to blame? Who's to blame? Look with me at verse 13 if you've got your Bibles there. Verse 13, James says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own desire, evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. James shows us that temptation is, you, you could say, like a fork in the road. Part of the reason we're going through James is because we've just come to the end of our series in Proverbs. And Proverbs puts us in a great position to understand James better. But in Proverbs, if you were here for our series when we looked at that, Proverbs often uses this language of there being two paths that we can follow in life. One that has the ambition of pleasing God, the wise way Proverbs says, or, or the other way being the ambition to please ourselves. The way Proverbs says is the foolish way. And temptation comes almost at this point where we're at this fork in the road, where we have to make a decision. What path, what road, what decision are we going to make? And James says temptation is that desire we feel in our hearts, that, that longing where we know we're going down a wrong road. That longing to go down a path that we know is wrong that we know is not honouring to God, that we know is, is fueled by selfish desire and by selfish gain. A decision where we are the, the captain of our souls and the master of our fates and, and God is just out of the picture. And temptation, like James says in verse 14, it says it's constantly dragging us, pulling us to go down that path. And when we experience that pull, that desire, that longing for something that we know God says no to, the question has to be asked, where does that come from? Where does that desire come from? And James, he knows the human heart so well. He knows the human heart so well because he opens up by saying that when being tempted, verse 13, look with me, no one should say God is tempting me. 
See, James knows the human heart so well. James knows that sin causes our hearts to blame something or someone else instead. And so James, aware of people that might be saying, well, God's in charge. And so it's his fault that I'm facing and I'm dealing with this temptation. He's causing me to go down this route that I'm struggling with. And James says that is not the case at all. It's been a hallmark, hasn't it, of the human heart since the very beginning. If you think back to the the story in Genesis, when God makes this world and he gives Adam and Eve, the first humans, everything that they could ever want. And yet they break the one thing that God commanded them not to do. And when they encounter God after they did that, well, the blame game starts, we see. And Adam, he's there and he's blaming Eve and he's, he's saying it's her fault. And, and then he points to the serpent and he's saying it's his fault. And at that point, he never blames himself in that episode. And we might recognise that within our own hearts this evening. I, I recognise it so deeply within my own heart. Someone else is to blame. Something else is to blame. That's not who I am, we might say. And yet James says that is exactly who we are. He says, verse 14, we're dragged away by our own evil desire. There's no scope for passing the blame here. And if we don't recognise that this evening, then do you know we'll, we'll be in the danger where we always keep passing the blame onto something or someone else. And we'll always see ourselves as victims of our sin rather than those responsible for it. Who's to blame? (laughs) We're to blame. And so, so far in James, we've seen what temptation is. Uh, We've seen who's to blame, But, but finally in this section, James shows us where temptation leads. And James in verse 15 gives what is just such a graphic picture. It's it's such a sad picture. In fact, in verse 15, it's it's a description of a a stillborn baby. And it's so sad. And, And if anyone has experienced it, it must be an unimaginable and a devastating sadness to go through and yet yet James uses this devastating and this sad image to describe and give a clear picture of what sin is where once we make that decision to accept that temptation or do you know we then begin anticipating don't we if we we think back we 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 think Oh, this is going to be the thing that brings me pleasure. This is going to be the thing that brings me joy. We anticipate it. We can't wait for it. And yet, it's that awful feeling of when the baby is finally born and it's stillborn. And we're left with the most devastating, the most depressing feeling. We're left feeling sick inside. James says that's what sin does to us. That is where temptation will always lead. It looks so good. It looks so good. And it looks like it's going to bring us so much pleasure. And it's going to bring us everything that we want in life. And yet every single time, James says, at some point, sooner or later, whether in this life or the next, 
it will always lead to death. Sin will always lead to death. Sin will leave us with a bitterness, a bitter and sick taste in our mouths. Sin will never bring us the lasting joy and the pleasure that we believe that it will. Never, James says. This is where temptation leads this evening. And you know, the more I go through life, and I'm sure that for those of us that have lived longer lives, we know this more than anyone. That actually sin never offers and brings what it promises. It's empty. And when we put God out of the picture, and we live our own way, we don't just damage ourselves so often we damage others and we damage our relationship with God. This is what sin does. This is where temptation leads. But finally, this evening, where do we look to? Who's to blame? Where do we look to? This is the second point. You see, where do we need to look to? And, and James gives us the answer. And look with me at the final part of our passage, verse 16. James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Whilst James shows us our hearts of what maybe we're tempted to long for, and to get for ourselves, James reminds us so wonderfully of what God wants to give to us. James doesn't want us to be deceived. He says that at the start, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to think that, that God's the one to blame and that we can carry on in the way we're living our lives. He wants us to see that actually God longs to give us good things. A good life, a, a good gifts good and perfect gifts. And these aren't things like sin that look so appealing and look like they, they offer so much and yet deliver nothing and bitterness and emptiness. Actually, these are amazing gifts. God offers something so much better, James says. God offers life in all of its fullness, doesn't that? Isn't that what Jesus says in John? He says, the thief comes only to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And, you know, for wondering this evening, you know, what, what does it look like? You know, all of these good gifts, this, this life that God wants to give to us. Well, I want to ex exemplify it, if I can, by an example that I love of, of John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom, I've used this before, but he's a bishop of Constantinople in the third century. And he was brought before the Empress Eudoxia and she threatened John with banishment from the kingdom if he kept on speaking about Jesus and kind of he was given this ultimatum look do you keep talking about Jesus and I'll banish you or stop talking about Jesus and you can stay and you know John he replies he goes you cannot banish me for this world is my father's house and then the emperor says to him but I'll kill you and John says, no, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ in God. And then the emperor says, well, I'll take away all your treasures. And John goes, no, you cannot. My treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. 
And then the Empress gets more desperate and she says, but I'll drive you away from your friends and you'll have no one left. And John says, no, you cannot. For I have friends in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. He says, I defy you. There is nothing you can do to harm me. This is what we mean. This is the life that God wants us to have. Something that not even trial, not even suffering can impact. John knew this joy, this peace, this hope that he found in knowing the Lord Jesus. It was a wonderful, such a satisfying and full life. And that's why James isn't wanting us to be deceived this evening. He doesn't want us to get things the wrong way round, as I believe I'm sure many people do, to believe that what we want is so much better than what God has to offer. Do you know, I wonder if we do we believe that this evening? Do we believe that what we want and what we long for is better than what God has to offer? Because really, that is the heart of temptation, isn't it? That is the heart of it. We believe that what we want is better than life with God and what he gives. We believe that something or someone else offers more than God ever could. And God can't meet or satisfy us completely. And if we're Christians here this evening, we know, don't we? We know, as we've been seeing in James, that, that sin never satisfies us completely. We get what James has been saying here. And yet so often, time and time again, we forget the truth, don't we? We believe that the thing that didn't bring us joy or didn't bring us gain the first, second or 20th time will suddenly bring it the next time. And we say in our hearts, God, you can't satisfy me. Your way of life isn't fulfilling. It's not good. And so James says we're deceived. We're deceived because that is exactly the life that God offers. And that is exactly who God is. And, you know, I'll testify this evening, as I'm sure that countless people can, that God's way, what God offers, knowing him, is the best life that we can live. It's the life we're made for, isn't it? A life in all of its fullness. Sure, trials come, temptations come, we feel sadness, we feel grief, we're not immune to that. But knowing Christ, knowing the reality of walking with him each day is something that never leaves us feeling underwhelmed or feeling like we've been shortchanged in something. James says, don't be deceived. Don't think that what you want beats what God can give in Jesus. John Chris Austin would testify the very same thing. And that brings us partly to, to how we deal with temptation. You know, sometimes we think the way we deal with it is we feel like when we feel that pull in our own hearts, that longing that we have maybe for something that, that, that isn't what, what would honour God. As we say that the way to resist that temptation is, is almost just to grit our teeth and say no and somehow find the strength to say no. And now I'm not saying that that's wrong, but if that's our approach, then it's always at some point going to feel like a losing battle. And it's not a healthy long term way to go about things, I don't think. Because as James has been showing us, it's not just about saying no. But about saying yes to something else. It's not about just seeing something as wrong and something that God forbids. 
but about seeing the beauty of what God wants to give. We think that God is just some oppressive, authoritative figure who loves to just ruin everyone's fun. And yet here in James, we get the reality of sin. That God says no, because those things result in death. Those things result in damage, not because he wants to ruin our fun. It's because it's damaging to us. It, it will leave us empty. It will leave us bitter. He doesn't just say no. And he offers, but he offers a new way of life. A life that satisfies every longing. A life that brings joy even in the fiercest of trials. Something that we cannot be separated from. And so James actually gives us an amazing way for us, I think, to deal with temptation. And, you know, I found this revolutionary in my walk with Jesus. Do you know, when I struggle with temptation, whatever it may be for us this evening, I want us to see two things that James brings out tonight. See two things, the emptiness of sin and the joy of Christ. The emptiness of sin and the joy of Christ. James has shown us, hasn't he, that sin, it always leads to death. Some point along the line, wherever it may be, it leaves us empty. And yet James says God stands ready to give and to offer us life in his ways. And so if we're struggling this evening, maybe with loving money to the extent that it drives all of our motives and our decisions. Well, see the emptiness of that sin. As we heard this morning, I think it was quoted, you know, where it's, Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good is it if you have everything and yet at the end of it forfeit your soul? See the emptiness of the sin, but, but also don't just end there. See the joy of following Christ, that actually living to give is actually a life that is so full of joy. And actually, as we look and as we model all, all of that life of generosity, actually we model what Christ gave to us. And the more that we give and we live out that life of generosity, the more that we remind ourselves of the gospel and the amount that we ourselves have received from the Lord Jesus. If we struggle with pride, well, we'll see the emptiness of the sin, that pride does so much damage to our relationships that we have. Pride burdens us to always be better than we actually are, better always than those around us. It forces us to maintain our standard at the detriment of others. It's empty. But also see the joy of following Christ, that actually he brings us into a wonderful freedom of self-forgetfulness, that we don't need to prove ourselves to anyone because we have our identity in Christ that is just so secure. If we struggle maybe with our sexual desire, we'll see the emptiness of that sin. Its pleasures are fleeting. And that if we use it selfishly, well, it does so much damage to people's lives. But don't just see its emptiness, see the joy of following Christ and that when we come to Jesus, he actually satisfy us longer and more fulfilling than we could ever imagine. And that his love is something that we cannot compare with. 
When we come to Jesus, we find someone who loves us more than we could ever dream and calls us to walk with him and be in a relationship with him. If we struggle living out the Christian life to those around us, we struggle with being ashamed to follow Jesus at school, at college or at the office, at uni, wherever it might be. We see the emptiness of the sin that actually just being ashamed means that we're just captives to people's opinions. And it robs us of the joy of living out being disciples of the Lord Jesus. And yet see the joy of what God gives looking to Jesus and saying yes to him, living for the only opinion that really ever matters in life. James says we fight temptation this evening by seeing the emptiness of sin. And not just that, but going on to see the joy of walking with Christ under his rule, in his love and under his words knowing that he forgives us for every mistake, every mess up, every fall. And he stands ready to offer us that way of life that is not empty and does not leave us bitter and does not lead to death, but a way of life that leads to life everlasting with him forever. Well, let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you this evening that, uh, Lord, Many things in life are certain, and one of them is temptation. And Lord, you know, Lord, areas that we struggle in, areas of temptation that we are prone to fall in. And I pray that we would each go away seeing the emptiness of sin. That when we stand at that fork in the road and we have a decision to make, that we would see its emptiness, that we see it doesn't fulfill. It leads to death. It leads to bitterness. It leads to damage. But Lord Jesus, help us not to just see the emptiness of sin, but the joy and the life of what you offer walking with you. That Lord Jesus, you give us so much that we are looking for and forgive us for not looking for those things in you, but looking for it in other things. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us fix our eyes on you. Help us walk in your ways, knowing that we are never shortchanged living out your way and that you give life in your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Amen.